Hello, and welcome to the Sidelines Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Getman, and I'm the editor-in-chief of Sidelines Literary and Art Magazine here at Simmons University. Today, I talk with our prose editor, Kirby Asaf, who's a junior on the writing track in the English department. We discuss prose writing, how to be more efficient in your writing, and future career goals. Enjoy. How long have you been a writer? Like, I think a lot of students, myself included, were like writerly as kids and then like realize that they suck (laughs) and never wanted to write again. So how did you like, how did you push past that? Like, why are you on the writing track right now? Yeah, I mean, I've been wanting to write and be an author since I was a kid. I actually have a cardboard box um, in storage right now that's all of the little books that I put together when I was a kid. I used to take pieces of paper and staple them together and then write into them and pretend they were books. Um, and I've, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to write. So I've written short stories and even poetry, less so poetry, but um, I've, I've always been writing my entire life. And it was just always assumed by others and by myself that that's always what I would end up doing. Um, so it was kind of a no-brainer being an English major. I never really second-guessed it just because I feel like I've always written and I've always enjoyed it. So it's just, and I've always been good at it, to be fair, too. Um, a lot of my high school teachers were always impressed by my work, not to toot my own horn or anything, but um, English was always just the subject, the subject that came easy to me and I enjoyed it. So they say that um to figure out what you want to do you should do something that you're good at and that also you enjoy so english and writing has always just kind of been that for me yeah i think that's a really good point because i definitely had the same feeling but i also have this like um perfection complex where yeah it, (laughs) it sucks and i'm and i hate it i can't keep doing it so i like wish i could be able to just like be a person who is like constantly creating and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's difficult. Um, yeah. 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 Um, I think, you know, so what about like, what kind of, so I would consider myself like a nonfiction writer. Mm -hmm. Um, and which, which means that I take my own personal experiences and record them in like short stories if I am producing writing, <laughs> which is really hard. And maybe we can do like a whole episode on writer's block and stuff like that. Yeah, we should. Inspiration is a huge topic for writers. Yeah. It's really difficult. It's really difficult to find something that you think is like good enough to write yeah. about to. Um, even, even though like we see people who submit to sidelines who write about everything it's like, but what, what is good enough about my life to be recorded? So I guess that's, yeah. the, that's the dilemma of like the nonfiction writer, but I feel like you would consider yourself a fiction writer. So yeah, like that seems so daunting to me. So how are <laughs> you able to like world build and create stories out of nothing? Like, do you need to have a prompt or are you just able to just like write it up? You know what I mean? Sometimes. Yeah. I, um, I do write nonfiction, to be fair, um, because I feel like I have a lot to say, but that's mostly just about getting my emotions out. Like uh, if I'm feeling particularly frustrated or angry or emotional one day, maybe I'll write something just to get the emotions out. Um, 
for fiction though, it is a whole other world. And um, right now I've been pretty bad about writing fiction on my own time just because I have so much going on. But generally I do try to inspire myself from like movies and TV and video games. Um, the problem with fiction is that it's hard to world build because most worlds and most ideas have already been created or done in oh, some yeah. form. So the the goal is to try to make a world in whatever genre you want or whatever themes you want, but have something unique about it. Um, write like unique characters, unique plot, unique dialogue even, um, because there are so many tropes and cliches that you want to avoid. So um, I mostly get inspired by the video games and movies um, that I play and watch. Um, but also I, I've just had like so many different ideas for worlds uh, throughout the years that I feel like I have like a backlog of all the things that I've wanted to try and write before. And so I can always kind of go back to that. Yeah. Um, like even some ideas from when I was like in middle school or high school, um, I have this one idea about uh, a group, like in the future, a group of travelers, there's like a couple of scientists and some bodyguards and they're trying to hike up an iceberg um, and they're trying to dig into the iceberg to find something that's been hidden there for a while. And that's an idea that I've had for years and years, and I just have never fully acted on it. I think I've written like maybe 5,000 words of that story, which is yeah. not a lot. Um, but there's, there's all these ideas that are just so like familiar to me that I feel like if I do want to write fiction on my own, or if I need to write something for a class and I'm not inspired, I can also go back to my own writing as well as external media. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because like when I think about my life experiences, when I write them, they're done. Like there's no way yeah. for me to like walk back to those experiences and rewrite them in any way because you want to make it like as accurate as possible as like your memory can allow because of course our memories are never <clears throat> totally accurate. So I think that's really mm -hmm. interesting that you're able to like take these worlds that you have semi-created in your head and like keep walking back to them and like rediscovering them and like yeah. moving through them in a way. So I guess, so you're kind of like in the upper level of writing classes that we have at Simmons right now. Mm -hmm. So what would be the best tip that you've learned like so far out of all of your writing classes I you've taken like everyone like I think you, you're like in poetry now but you've taken nonfiction, you've taken fiction mm -hmm. you're in the I uh, what is it the like the uh, capstone the capstone class right now where you're literally just writing yep piece. so what like what kind of valuable information have you learned about writing that you still use yeah I think maybe not the tip that has affected me the most, but definitely my favorite tip that I've gotten is to have like a bits file. Um, do you know the phrase like to having to kill your darlings as a creative? Yeah. Um, basically that like, you know, writing is a creative process, but it's also like a, a critical process because you have to constantly be critiquing yourself and revising and editing. And so if you have a phrase or a section or uh, even words that you really like, um, you, it, it can sometimes hurt to get rid of them. I know that it hurts me, especially, um, even with poetry and especially with nonfiction, because it's about your own life. Um, if someone's like saying like, well, you should say this instead of this, it's like, well, that's not how it happened. So I don't like that, but, um, you should take all of those pieces that you have to delete and put them in like a Google doc 
or a, like a Word document or something, or just any sort of file, and keep them. And so that way you're not killing them, you're using them for later. And that kind of goes back to the whole inspiration thing. Um, I have like a, a Google Doc that's called Bits, and it's basically just everything that I've ever had to delete. <laughs> um, and it can really help, because um, there are some really pretty phrases in there that I really liked, but that had to be deleted. Um, so that's probably, I'd say, uh, my favorite tip. Other than that, like getting yourself into the mood for writing is definitely something that I feel like people have a lot of problems with, and I still have problems with. Yeah. Um, I think you need to work out for yourself what like standards you need to set up in order for you to be in the mood to write. Um, like I put on a particular like instrumental Spotify playlist and I need to like sit at my desk in a certain way and have even like the lighting a certain way. And I usually need to have had coffee or be drinking coffee um, or like water or like a snack or something. Like um, you need to figure out what's best for you. Um, even like going down to, I know some people prefer um, like using different writing software. There's a bunch of different like writing software things out there that um, you can download. And so some people prefer to write in something um, like, I, I don't know if you prefer to like, the simplest one would be, I guess, like, do you prefer to write in a Google Doc or a Word Doc? It, yeah. it can go down to that low of a level. Um, but you just need to figure out what's best for you. Yeah, I'm definitely like a deadline writer. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> and most often than not, my first idea is the usually the best idea. So what will happen mm -hmm. is like, I'll wait until like the day before that needs to happen. And then I'm just able to sit and just write whatever is happening. And I am really bad about drafts. I try and do drafts um, for a finished piece. I definitely do drafts. But like when I was taking writing courses, I would just pass it in and just like see what would happen. Yeah. I think drafts are important. And I think that they have a place, but I think some writers get really overwhelmed by drafts because that means you have to like keep going back and forth to your work. So I feel like the way that I kind of handle that if I am writing is write the piece and then walk away for like a day at least even if I feel the urge to write because sometimes when you're sitting there it feels like like you hate it. Like it's horrible. Yeah. This is the worst thing I've ever read because you're just rereading and rereading it. So what's your, like, what is the fiction writer's version of drafts? And like, how do you deal with drafts? Are you even at the point where you're really working on drafts right now? Yeah, I, it honestly just depends on, on what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, I think the deadline thing is really, um, is really something to consider if you're doing something for academia. Uh, I'm the same way. I sometimes I'll, I'll go ahead of time and and write something and be a do-gooder, but most of the time it comes down to the day before. Um, and I usually, if I'm inspired or if I'm in the mood or if I've set it up for myself to where I can write for a long time, I'll usually just write something, maybe make a couple of revisions and then turn it in. Um, I don't have like separate files for yeah. drafts or anything like that. In fact, I wouldn't even call it a draft. I just usually say like, I have this document and this document is the piece that I'm going to turn in and I'm going to keep yeah. editing it until I'm happy with it and then I'm going to turn it in. Um, but it, it just depends on what you prefer. Like I, I know some people 
who do do different drafts like they'll have the they'll write the beginning and then they'll open up a new document and then rewrite the entire thing but change it and that's their second draft or they'll just copy and paste it like it's just completely different but i just can't work with multiple documents like that that just sounds exhausting to me yeah, definitely. um <laughs> i know uh, in one of my classes, oh, now I'm, I'm trying to remember which one, but I forget. In one of my classes, we did this exercise. It was for an academic paper, so it's not completely relevant, but we would uh, we cut up the paper. Like we printed it out and then cut it up and then reorganized it. Um, and like we, we, we took each little slip of paper and like taped it, taped them to each other. And it could have been like in a different um in a different order than it was originally and i really like that idea um just because so much in especially fiction writing you'll write a scene thinking that it's going to be the introduction but really it belongs somewhere near the end or in the middle oh, yeah. and um <laughs> yeah and then a scene that you write like near the end or in the middle you think wow this could be a great introduction paragraph so i really like that idea um but i think that if i did think that i would probably just copy and paste it or cut and paste it rather in in a Google document instead of actually printing it out. I do everything on the computer now, so that's yeah. Not, yeah. I couldn't I, even imagine. Yeah, I'm the same way, I, and I think that's such an interesting point because like with fiction or nonfiction writing, it's like things happen in an order, and you can move that order around, but there's a lot more limitations. So I think that's yeah, of like I mean, for the purpose of scene building, you could definitely like like mess around with the scenes, even if it's yeah. in nonfiction. So like if you have like like a central point in the plot that's the climax you know I mean you probably don't want to have the climax be the first but it could I mean a lot of books start off that way with like a yeah. fight scene um so it, it really just depends on like what you want to do and the effect that you want the reader to have when they when they first read that scene yeah so what you are working with other students so what's something that you see that's like <clears throat> fairly common that you know is gonna like make or break a work like you see something and you're like this work is either gonna be really good or it's gonna be really bad like um i think a lot of new writers struggle with feeling really insecure about what they're writing and if it's good or if it's bad and i think there's some easy ways to kind of make it next level like knowing punctuation grammar they don't really teach that in high school anymore like really learning how to focus on punctuation and grammar will bring your writing to the next level because you're adding the voice that it needs to have and all that kind of stuff. But what's something that you see that's like a common thing that's like either makes or breaks like the piece that they're writing? Hmm. I actually did hear that, uh, that bit about the punctuation and grammar today in a class. They were like, oh yeah, they don't teach punctuation and grammar in like high schools anymore. And I was like, what? Because we, we definitely learned that. I'm from Louisiana, so maybe it's just a Northeastern thing. But that's so bizarre to me. Punctuation and grammar are so, so important. And that's actually something I was talking, I was thinking about while you were asking your question, because uh, I feel like I have seen pieces before where like they're using, there's just comma splices everywhere and run on yeah. sentences. And they're just not like they're forgetting punctuation and random capitalization and stuff. Even in college level courses, I see that. Um, and it bothers me so much. And, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that that piece is not ever going to do well. It, it needs heavy editing, um, obviously, yeah. but it can definitely be a detriment. Um, I mean, so I guess it comes down to like, you know, like no piece is ever totally broken. It just needs revision enough. It's like any creative work, like, you know, painters, I have a, an aunt who's an animator, um, and she feels like she's never 
completely done with a piece that she yeah. that she does because she's always making revisions and always trying to edit and fix things. Um, even we <laughs> we have some of her pieces of art uh, hanging up, or we had them hanging up in our house, um, and I think I still have some of the copies. But uh, even when she was looking at those finished pieces of work that are <laughs> ready to be hung up on a wall, she's like, nope, I don't like that. I want to change that color and stuff like that. Um, I feel like a piece is never completely done. It just has yeah. reached a satisfactory level. Um, so I think there's nothing that really breaks it. They're just things that will set you back um, that you maybe need to improve on, especially with like punctuation and, and language. Yeah, definitely. I think the most common mistake that we see when people are submitting to sidelines is, of course, there's definitely content issues, which are yeah. a problem in itself. But if a piece doesn't have proper punctuation and there's an obvious, not misunderstanding, but maybe um, like they don't have the knowledge to be able to have the proper punctuation, um, whether not by their fault, but it will bring the piece down exponentially. Like Yeah, I mean, also, if you don't have the attention to detail enough to be able to look at a piece and really comb through it before you submit it to a magazine, that's just, that's already a bad sign. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I do feel that we get a lot of pieces that, that may not be entirely up to scratch, but that's kind of why I actually want to do uh, something where I can help, where I can, like, do editing with people who potentially want to be in sidelines. Um, yeah. I think that would be something cool to start up, just because I feel like, you know, everybody needs that level of help. Not everybody's an English major, first of all, and not everybody, like, is at the level, like, if you're a freshman who's just taken, like, a nonfiction course or something, I mean, you haven't, I'm not, you know, saying that I'm a master at it, but I am definitely have taken a couple more classes, so I could definitely help out yeah. like that. Um, even professors, maybe, if we got them on it, too, that would be amazing. Um, I mean, it just goes back to it, you know, even the pieces that we have already published in sidelines aren't perfect. Yeah. Um, they're just at a satisfactory level. And I think that a lot of writers feel really down about themselves, including me sometimes, whenever I, I get like heavy criticism on a piece. But that just means that it's not there yet. You know, it's it's yeah. it's it's gonna have that perfect, you know, shiny sheen on it at some point. <laughs> but right now, it's not there. And it just needs work to get there. Yeah, and I think something that's really important is to, like, not be offended or hurt by yeah. um, critique. Like, it's your baby, and I understand that definitely, and you probably do too, but um, you want it to be improved, and you want it to grow and learn and, you know, become amazing, and you need to be able to take critique, and if you're not able to take critique, you're not going to be able to have a successful piece, you know, yeah, that's so important, and I still have problems with it yeah. to this day. I'll get yeah. frustrated or angry with something something said. I'll be like, this thing that I wrote was amazing, and if they don't like it, then they just suck, and they don't understand. <laughs> but at the end of the day, like like I said, like everything can be critiqued, and they're just trying to help. And, and, it, and if they do have something to say about it, then that probably means that it's valid, you know, and that's why um, that's why a lot of people who are actual authors in the publishing world, which I'm definitely not in, but people who do actually get their stuff published um, will have like beta readers sometimes where they'll like send their piece out to like a small group of people and be like, tell me what you thought here, here, and here, and like tell me if you spotted any issues, etc. cetera. Um, and I think that's super useful because 
um, when you're writing something in a vacuum and you're just thinking about what you're thinking about and you're not, you know, you're the, you're the only pair of eyes that have seen it, then there are so many different things that could be misconstrued. Meaning can yeah. be misconstrued. Like people can read a scene and think something completely different than what you wanted it to be. Um, and at the end of the day, like you're making something with meaning. So you need to have that meaning come across. And if someone's reading it and getting a different meaning, then it's not really doing what you wanted it to be doing. Yeah. Um, obviously, like, especially with, with poetry and prose, like people can read it and get a different meaning, just like with any piece of art. But um, you don't want it to be <laughs> completely different than what you intended. Yeah, I think what what's hard about criticism is you don't want to hear it from the people that you don't trust, right? Like, right. you don't want to hear it from the people whose opinions you don't trust. But you also don't want to hear it from the people you love because you want them to think it's, like, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they can't give you the right criticism. So there's something about writing, and especially in college, where you need to find that, like, person who you trust implicitly to give you the best advice. Like, for me, that would be Woolman. Like, I trust him implicitly to be able to have, like, the best like <clears throat> knowledge about what I'm trying to get across and yeah. give me the best critiques and you I, I would assume is probably fast because like you've had her so much um and she does teach the more like fiction side of writing yeah yeah woman and fast are both very very good at giving destructive feedback and just marking up like a paper or a poem yeah. um they're they're super good about criticism I would say most of the English most of the English professors here at Simmons are um, I would probably trust any of them with with, with cr criticizing a piece just because they have more years of experience and like like more uh, what's the word more <laughs> more experience like having eyes that see things that I will not more experienced eyes that's more the life. phrase I was going for <laughs> yeah definitely I I think that's really good and I think that anybody who likes to write but isn't sure about it like even if you're not in the english department it, what if you need like a humanities credit like take a writing class like i, I had there were there were so in there and like some yeah people in there like just take it it's fun it's hard like no english class is easy definitely yeah. not but take it like get the criticism. There, there were so many for some reason there were so many like neuroscience majors in my nonfiction class when yeah. I took it I think a year ago or a couple of years ago and I was so bamboozled I was like is neuroscience even that big of a thing at Simmons it might be I'm not sure if it is but I was I, I was so I was so weirded out by the fact that so many science people were taking a nonfiction writing course um and then of course like I thought about it for like more than two seconds and I was like oh yeah they also need to write stuff yeah um yeah and it like can, some it could be so helpful they can create like really good work too because they have a totally different lens um yeah yeah it's interesting to see them grow versus us grow because we know what we're looking for you know what i mean we yeah. know how to measure our own growth whereas they probably don't you know so yeah. yeah i like take that writing course like just go for it and i think what's important about college like especially with this pandemic and covid and like everything just just take the class that you want to take like it's okay if it's, if you take one semester, a class that you don't need, like I'm taking Bible right now, I don't need to be taking this class, yeah. but I want to take it. And I think it's important to just go for it and go and take it. And in the same note, like submit your work, like <laughs> you're, we're not yeah. gonna, we're not gonna hate on you if it's not good. Like 
you won't even know if we think that. Yeah. <laughs> um, just try it. And there's no harm in trying to submit your work. And it's scary to write. Like, I don't know if you get this, but I get like writing pains. Where, <laughs> yeah, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, like if you're in the moment, like my shoulders scrunch up and I'm like, it's painful to write. Yeah, you just tense up that release after is like the best feeling and you know you've got like a good product afterwards you know what I mean having created something good I think and I can't even think of a better adjective just something good like good in the sense of it being of it being like technically proficient and also just in the sense of like it being like something that you wanted to make and it 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 like fills that creative hole just something having having completed something good is one of the best feelings ever yeah i um i recently wrote a poem for actually professor woman's class and it i just really liked it and i hadn't gotten feed i haven't gotten feedback on it yet so it may be just a big old a big old pile of crap but like i think it's amazing and it it made it put me in a good mood for the rest of the day honest to god yeah like i i writing something good can be so rewarding and so like why not share it with other people yeah you know um especially if like having something published even in like a a small university magazine like sidelines is such a big resume booster yeah a huge resume booster even even for non-english majors even for people who aren't in like humanities or anything like that those soft skills yeah those soft skills are so sought out um and in in any job in any career people love someone who can like proficiently write i mean you're going to be probably be writing emails and doing reports for the rest of your life no matter what job you're in yeah definitely. unless you're in like i don't know unless you're like an artist or something but they don't count <laughs> i'm just kidding I love you artists um but uh like like the, having soft skills like that being able to communicate well is such a necessary thing yeah. So, you know, why not, why not foster that? And also it's like self-care at the academic level. I think writing is just like a, a good way to do self-care. Like I said before, like processing emotions and stuff. Um, yeah. Like even though you're being graded on it, like there's really no risk. Yeah. Yeah. Class. Like there's no risk besides getting like good feedback on how to live your life. Yeah. Yeah. English major English majors kind of cheat that way. We don't have to take like tests where you have to like know parabola stuff. I'm not a math person, so I'm I'm not even going to try to say <laughs> yeah. what I was what yeah. that probably is. But but like as long as you try, as long as you listen and pay attention to discussions, you literally all you have to do to be successful as an English major is listen and write. Yeah. That's it. Oh, that's mm-hmm. all you have to do. And well, yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe there's more than two things. Listen, write, read. <laughs> and be in discussions okay four but um but that's all you have to do and all you have to do is like genuinely listen to people and like do your best and put your best work out there and you can't really go wrong no you definitely can't and i think that um maybe it's i i think a lot of artists go down the artist hole of like oh my god my like this sucks like i never want to share it with anyone like we have such a hard time getting art we have such a hard time getting not like we do have a difficult time getting writing um but with art it's so difficult because they get down that like writing hole when in reality like these are the majors like they're for your passion like you pick these because you're passionate about it because you want to write because you want to be creative and you want to paint or you know whatever um 
And so it's all about like taking that passion and sharing it. And like you said, it's an ins- it looks so good on a resume because you it can does. actually show them this writing sample and they can see whether you have the skills or not, like communication yeah. skills. And yeah, it's, it, it's really good. Um, and especially since we're online now, it's even easier to just link it on your resume and send it out. Yeah, definitely. And like, it's so, it's also, <laughs> you can send them the sidelines website yeah. You can say, I am published on a university magazine. Here is the website for it. And I feel like so obviously, I mean, English majors don't make a lot of money, to be fair. But the people who are hiring English majors, that's a big deal to them. Publishing your stuff in like in magazines and journals is pretty much the cornerstone of getting hired as a writer. Yeah. Um, so you, need to I might, you might as well start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's a push to produce. Like as we're I think you're probably having this experience as well as we're applying to internships. It's, it's like send X amount of writing samples. Yep. Um, you know, send, so it's good to be practicing and creating and just working, you know, whether you intend to share it or not. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. My last question for you, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I hate when people ask me this question. <laughs> I preface this. I Great. When people ask me, what do you want to do in your life? Um, no, I don't want to be an uh, elementary school teacher just because I'm an English major. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, the whole, yeah. Are you, so you're going to be a teacher if you're an English major then? Because that's the only thing that English majors can do, apparently, is be teachers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they just should call it education. Just merge <laughs> the two. Yeah, seriously. I mean, like, um, I, I, I couldn't tell you what I wanted to be. I, there's so many things that I want to be. Maybe I want to be an editor. Maybe I want to go into actual magazine work. Maybe I want to be a writer. Who even knows? Ask me in 20 years and see where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, you get a better answer then. Yeah. What do you want to do with writing? Like, if you're you oh, set on this, like, what do you, I know we've talked about this in the past, but like, what do you want to do? And I think it's important that we talk about this to show people that you can have as many careers as you want as an English major. It's such a versatile major. You can literally do anything you want. You can switch definitely is all the time. So yeah, talking about those soft skills, English major skills are useful anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have very specific and very lofty goals for myself <laughs> that may or may not um, come true, but we'll see. Uh, I really want to write for video games. Yeah. I have been playing video games my entire life about as long as I've been writing um writing and video games are like my two major hobbies uh, and so I'd love to merge the two um unfortunately writing for video games is a pretty selective job um yeah, and you have to have a lot probably have to have a lot of experience already working in video games in order to get it because most of them are like creative directors or something but yeah. I'd really love to like create worlds that people can have like active participation in via video games. Um, and that's actually why I'm doing uh, some choose your own adventure stuff in this capstone. My final project is like a, a big choose your own adventure story. Oh, yeah. um, like interactive fiction, visual novels, all of these things, they need good writers. Um, most video game studios don't have like a writer position unless they're like a AAA game making studio. Yeah. Um, but I think that the need for like well-developed, eloquent, proficient writing is such a big thing in video games that's necessary. Um, And so I'd love to do that. That's the biggest goal for myself. Realistically, um, 
I'd love to write articles, <laughs> write for magazines, um, or even like do some freelance stuff or submit my work somewhere. Um, I have a friend who wrote for textbooks for a while after college. So that's another open avenue. There are so many things that English majors can do. Um, yeah, and you but, don't have to like jump right into that career after you graduate. I, I physically can't, I yes. don't think, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I think that's one of the most interesting things about video games. <clears throat> is the world building aspect of it is what yeah. it's a video game that has a good world built around it and stories behind it makes it so much more fun because there's a mm -hmm. whole lore behind it it's like even more in depth than the actual games so you feel like you become that like actual character when you're playing yeah it, it might just be the english major in me but i love like reading codex pages or books in video <laughs> games like in skyrim i would spend yeah. hours reading all of the books in skyrim uh, completely useless and most of the time not relevant to the plot at all but like that stuff is so important and I think that's part of why I love video games so much is because it had such beautiful writing in it and because it had so much behind the scenes other than just you know slashing things with swords or shooting shooting people with guns um, I think that's what makes a video game great and yeah. I would like to participate in that somehow yeah so it we'll see if I get there yeah, I mean, it takes it to the next level. Like, Definitely. It takes it from, okay, this is just a game to like, this is a whole world that I'm participating in with other people. Yeah, and a world that other people can build off of. Um, you know, like people, I mean, fan fiction is a thing that people do. Yeah. Um, and like making story, like Overwatch makes comics uh, and short stories for their game. Um, as well as League of Legends, I think. Yeah. Um, they also make comics and short stories. There are so many different games that are not like super plot heavy, <laughs> like League of Legends or Overwatch. Well, I guess Overwatch is a little bit more plot heavy, but they have like those plot elements in the background. Um, and, you know, it just goes to show that like writers can do much more than, you know, be in the publishing industry and publish books. Yeah. Um, although obviously that is something that I would also like to do. Um, but there's just so many things that they can do besides being a teacher or publishing a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this, yeah, there's many career paths that we can go down. Like the best one I know is like my dad was an English major and he works in marketing for Harvard now. Like you can yeah. really just do soft skills. Like I keep saying, man, yeah. Yeah. people love English majors love. because they love people who can write emails proficiently. <laughs> yeah, seriously. it's so important. Yeah. Well, any like less common advice, thoughts that you are thinking? Just write, man. Yeah. Just, just do it. Who cares if it sucks? Uh, who cares if it's cringy? I put myself down all the time for writing things that are, that I think are quote cringy unquote. Yeah. And I'm just like, who cares? It, this is just for me. No one else is going to see it unless I choose for them to see it. And it's improving my writing abilities, just writing. Yeah. Even if you write for like, just like five minutes a day, even if you write a sentence or think of a good phrase, that's great. Yeah. Um, like, like just every day, try it. Um, like, like NaNoWriMo is a thing, the national, oh God, I'm going to mess up the acronym, National November Writing Month. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think so. Um, like where the people write a novel in a month by writing consistently every day. Yeah. That's how it happens. People, writers just got to write. You're not a writer unless you write. 
Um, yeah, it's hard to create a consistent practice, but you need to do it. If you you, want you need to do it. Yeah. And, and not even like at the level of like, you're not going to be successful if you don't write any day, obviously self-care and, and having other things going on is something that's going to happen. But like, if you, not even if you don't want to be successful, I guess is what I was going to say. If writing is such like a great way, like I said already, to get out on motions, but also like to write your story down, to write down what you're thinking, to help with anxiety, to help with stress, and like to help with your goals. If you want to be a writer, like I said already, I mean, you just have to write and writing every day or making that habit is just something that is like just something that needs to be established yeah. um, early on in your life before, you know, I mean, when your boss tells you, oh, write this long 15 page thing. And then, you know, you're doing like me and Sarah and writing everything at the last minute. <laughs> um, yeah, you can clearly see we don't have good writing habits. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we're trying to develop them. Trying. Um, but yeah, but academically and in your career and just if for fun, writing can be so useful in so many aspects of your life. So you just, you just got to write. You just got to do it. Just, just do it. Hashtag just do it. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> All right, Kirby. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Submit yeah. to sidelines. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this interview with Kirby. If you want to find out more about Sidelines Magazine, please check out our website, sidelinesmagazine.wordpress.com or follow us on Instagram at sidelines underscore magazine underscore. If you'd like to submit work to the magazine, please do so to sidelines at simmons.edu. See you next time. Thank you.